0: We're in Romans chapter 2. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to just go over this just a minute. I, 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 it ties right into what we're, what we're talking about. The songs this morning, beautiful, the songs that we led in the choir that Mom had picked out, Sister Becky and Brother Austin, it all ties into what Paul is telling us here in chapter 2. You've you, you got to remember chapter 1, Paul names these vicious sins. Come on that people are dabbling around him. But I love the way that he, in the middle of the chapter, verse seven, 16, he says, after all of these things, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Oh Why? God. Because it's the only power unto salvation. Amen, Come and on. there's not another. Yeah. And so in chapter 2, Paul, Paul is reminding these moralists who were pointing their finger back at these folks and saying that we're not like you? You know, it, it's amazing. I mean, you've ever seen a proud Christian? Yeah. Listen, I'm totally off my notes, so just watch out. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I you've ever seen a proud Christian? Well, I, I preached to some of them. I, I know. I know these brothers have preached to some of them. I know, brother, proud. I'm a Christian and I'm proud, you know, that's oxymoronic. <laughs> you be a proud Christian? It doesn't work that way. Paul is Paul's alluding to the fact in chapter 2 that these guys, they're saying, God's done this and God's blessed us and we're not like them, thank God. We're totally different. You gotta have that voice to be a proud Christian. You're totally different. We're not like that. These people will never be saved. They're too far gone. I've heard, I've heard Christians make that statement about sinners. When they make that statement, they do damage. Let me tell you. Hey man, come they on. do damage. Yeah, come on, because there's not a sin that he cannot forgive. That's right. Right. Come on. There's not there's not a sin that his blood won't wash away. Oh, I feel him now. Hallelujah. And Paul is telling them, look, you can't judge... An unbeliever. you got believers trying to judge unbelievers and he says it don't work that way. Believers must judge among believers and judge righteously. Yeah, come on. Because Jesus <laughs> says that we'll know each other by, their, by our fruit. Yeah. So Paul, Paul's telling them and, and sister's going to put the scripture up here verses 1 through 11. If you got your Bible, go ahead and grab it. Romans 2, 1 through 11. I was gonna do responsive reading again, but we're short of time, so I'm just I'm gonna read and then I'm gonna go right into it just a little bit, and then we'll have church, okay? He said this, therefore you are inexcusable. I want this listen to the word. He said, "Now you're inexcusable, old man, whoever you are who judge. That's a broad term, then. Whoever. Or in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself or you who judge practice the same thing. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth. Aren't you thankful for that? Yes. Listen, God's judgment is not based on my opinion. God's judgment is not based on your opinion. God's judgment is not based on hearsay. It's not based on gossip. It's based on truth. That's right. And that's what the world needs today. Amen. It's true. But he says this. Yes, but... He says that uh, and do you think this old man that you who judge those such are doing the same that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of His goodness? Verse 4, focus in on that. Forbearance, long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you're treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of of, uh, the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who by patient continuance is doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Verse 9, tribulation, anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first, also of the Gentile, of the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first, also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. God has no favorites. And all God's people said, Amen. Father, we want to thank you this morning for your word. And Father, I pray that you instruct us, that you teach us today. Hide me behind the cross of Christ so that Jesus, the Son of God, will be high and lifted up that he'll draw all people unto him. I thank you for it, Lord. I give you glory. I give you honor right now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Come on, give him glory. Amen. We've learned the past couple of weeks, this is sort of a mini-series in a series. We're in Romans, the Gospel of Grace. But we've been talking about a a message entitled, Who Put You in Charge? Our first argument under this heading was, uh, Who put you in charge of the righteousness of God? Paul's asking. If you're in charge of the righteousness of God, you must be living above the law or the word of God. Paul's alluding. He's telling us this. He's writing this. And then he's telling us that in the eyes of Scripture, a moralist, now listen, is a person who lives a moral clean life, but he judges others because they do not live as he thinks they should live. Now, first of all, let me tell you this, that good works will not get you anywhere in the kingdom of God. Now, listen to me. Well, I, I thought if i done good, if, if i done this, and I, I, I don't do the don'ts, and I do the dos that, that no, that, that's not the way it works. In order to be successful in the kingdom of God and to live a successful Christian life, you must put all of your faith, trust, in the work that Christ did on the cross. And He arose from the dead to guarantee what He did would last you and I for eternity. Come on now. How many know that? it's all by as the song says all my hope is in Christ I'm washed by the blood of the Lamb thank God so Paul's telling us that these people here they live just they live good they live decent they live upright they live honorable they have strong values standards and principles but yet in their judging Paul is, is, is sort of rebuking and criticizing and saying that listen you're pointing a finger because you're doing these things but you're going home and doing it in secret and if not doing it in secret you're agreeing with it and compromising with the thought of it. Come on now. You mean my thoughts? You better believe it. God knows our thoughts. The Bible says that He judges what? On the intent of the heart. And Jesus also said that what's in the heart is going to come out of the mind. How many know that? the only way to change the heart is through Jesus amen let's try that again the only way to change the heart is through Jesus. amen glory and he's telling them says, you're judging others the word judge here in the Greek simply means to criticize to find fault of him and then that, that, that's, that's our first argument our second argument is simply this it is, uh, who put you in charge? Not of the righteousness of God, but of the goodness of God. We're going to get into that in verse 4. Listen, listen to what he said verse 3 and 4. I want to reread that. Listen. He said this. He said, And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Verse 4. Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and suffering? Not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Amen. So he's saying, who put you in charge of the goodness of God? Our first consideration under this argument is this. If, 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 who put you in charge of the goodness of God? No one. And since you're not, our first consideration is this. That we're thankful believers that you're not in charge. Amen. Is that alright? Amen. Yes, Absolutely. I'm a thankful believer that man's not going to judge me, but that God's going to judge yes. me. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Verse 4, the first part, he said, Or do you, you need to circle that, or do you, because it's very, uh, it's in the negative sense. And he's telling us with that, Or do you despise the riches, means that the next answer that you give needs to be the right answer. Come on now. He said, or do you despise? The word despise means this, to think little of, to dismiss, to be disrespectful, to shrug off, to presume upon, taking someone for granted. In other words, here Paul is saying that uh, since you're not in charge, that we are a thankful believer. And i, I got news for you. The day that we live in, it's ever-increasing every day that you and I need, to, we have the opportunity, listen, we have the opportunity to be thankful every day. Amen. Come on now, amen. Amen. I had to catch myself the other day, and, and, and if I don't, my wife certainly reminds me, uh, if I start complaining and griping, and I know no one in here else does that, but just me, and, and I told you, I'm confessing for all of us up here, okay? But when I start from griping, and she'll say, "Well, have you prayed? Or do you remember God does this and God's done that?" Yeah. Okay. Why are you griping? Why are you complaining? Listen. This is, this is what complaining and whining does. It pushes off the goodness of God. Yeah. Come on now. It leads us in the negative sense. That I'm whining. That I'm griping, That I'm. That I'm. Saying this, and Paul says this, he said, or Do you despise the riches? In other words, that's very important because the riches, uh, uh, the word riches, has been so misused in the United States. Frankly, all over the world, I suppose. We get in the idea that uh, when we read that, well, God's going to make me rich. And Pastor Greg, you need to have a series on how to be wealthy. It's never going to happen here. He's telling us that God is so rich, listen, in goodness, in forbearance, and long suffering. In other words, it deals with my past sin, my present sin, and my future sin. That His blood is still is cleansing. That when I call upon Him, if there's sin in my life, and when I call upon Him, He takes care of all of it. Come on now, amen. Right. That's the riches that Paul... And he says these riches that God has, is He's the only one that possesses these riches because no one else can forgive of sin. And that's what's so amazing about God is that the goodness of God always leads us to repentance. Repentance. Yeah. I, the the how many remember reading about the rich young ruler? You yes. gotta read all three gospels to get rich young ruler because not one mentions the rich young ruler. One says he's rich, one says he's a ruler, and one says he's young. I know some of the ladies would say, but that's who I need to meet. Not this guy. He came to Jesus. You know the story how it goes. He comes to Jesus. And he calls Jesus, our word, good master. This is the word that we're, we're looking at, good, good master. Yeah. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, now listen, this, this guy's a prime uh, guy that you want in your congregation. He's young, he's loaded, and he's got authority. Yeah. so he's the kind of guy that you want him to get and, and Jesus immediately tells him he's trying to set up Jesus but Jesus sort of throws it back on him and says well you know the law and then this is what he does he rears back Lord I've done all of this from my youth up I've kept all of these because Jesus they said well why are you calling me good There's no one good but God. Jesus was absolutely trying to get him to admit that he was looking at the Son of God. Instead of him coming and saying, good master, Jesus was trying to get over to him that there's no one good but God. That he wasn't good. You remember the Roman road? What's the first thing? There's none good. No, not one. There's none righteous. No, not one. None of us. That's why it doesn't matter what I do by works, works will not get me into heaven. Coming to church will not get me into heaven. Having my name on the book will not get me into heaven. What's going to get me into heaven is I am washed by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Having my confidence and faith and everything up he, where he died on the cross and I place it there and I leave it there because thank God he arose from my justification, amen. amen, to guarantee what he did on the cross would last me to eternity and that he would get me to where he's at what did he say? I'm going away and if I go away I'm going to come back because I want you where I am, amen come on. the goodness of God but we think sometimes that when we say that, that we think it's sort of... Uh, uh, what, if God's so good, I hear this a lot. If God's so good, why does He let all the bad things in life happen? I get it. I get it when we're having to deal with the loss of a loved one. When we're having to deal with sickness in our life. When we're having to deal with losing our job or losing our house or, or whatever the case may be. I get it. But you've got to realize that we're living in a fallen world and it's what you call life. But God is still good all the time. Amen. God's good every day. doesn't matter what I... He says this, that He's so good that I can be content. Listen. I can be content and have confidence in my salvation that he's given me and blessed me with. Doesn't matter where I live, if I live in the White House or I live in a shack on the side of a hill. All I've got to do is know that he's good. Know that his hand is upon me and that he wants to lead me into righteousness. Can you say man? Amen? amen. Oh brother. One, because God's good. When's he good? All the time. Amen. God's good all the time. Yeah. And sometimes we absolutely. Would be, he said don't despise the riches, but, but to be a thankful believer. Yeah. Yes. Be a thankful believer. Well, all the kids are next door, right? Listen to me. There's nothing that pains a parent no worse than to have an unthankful child. And you listen to me an unthankful child, when they become unthankful in their heart and in their life, then it's what's called entitled. You owe me. You You owe me. I'm entitled. You're my mom. You're my dad. And there's nothing that hurts the heart of a parent any worse than having a, 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 a child that expects that they're entitled to have everything given to them. Life don't work that way. And the minute that you start trying to explain life to them, then you're the enemy. Come Come on now. Yes. It's the same way with God. Paul said this. We should be thankful believers for the mercy and riches and the forbearance and the long suffering and the forgiveness that God has toward us. Even when we're dead in trespasses, amen. He still loves us. Can you say amen? amen. My Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Having an unthankful, ungrateful child despises every good thing that you do for them. Listen to me. And it hurts. And it hurts to the quick. It'll break your heart. When you've given and you've sacrificed and you've done without so they can have and then when it comes time for them to go out and do life then they turn on you because you're trying to teach them life. Don't you think God feels the same way? Sure and you see, the Bible tells us. Uh, uh, Paul is telling them, "Look, you've been dabbling around in this, and you've been doing this." And the Bible clearly tells us in Proverbs, I believe, chapter six. He says, "How can a man, in other words, pick up fire and hold it to his bosom without it burning his clothes?" In other words, he's saying that you can't, you can't dabble in sin. You can't have that in your life and not get burnt by it. Come on now. Sin leads to what, church? Death. Death. Come on, give him glory. Amen. We're respectful believers. He said, do you despise the riches? I like what Mark Twain said about his child rearing. Is when you get a teenager, you take your teenager and you put them in a 55 gallon drum. You put the top on it. You have a hold in the drum so you can feed them. And then when they get 21, you close the hole up. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Mark Twain's child rearing. I thought it was humorous. I don't know why I said that, but anyway. <laughs> but he said, riches. The reason being is love. Listen. That's why it hurts us. Listen to what God says in Isaiah 51, 1213. He says, I even I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies? This is a wonderful scripture for people that is being put upon, being bullied, being pushed around. And this is what God says. Why are you afraid of man? And they're going to die. But, but, But listen to what he said. He says this. He said, And the Son of Man, who is made like grass, that you've forgotten the Lord your Maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth, that you fear continually all day long because of the fury of the oppressor. What's he telling us? Don't fear the world. Don't fear the things that are happening because our Heavenly Father who is our maker who stretched out the heavens who laid the foundations of the earth is on our side. Amen. Come on now. Amen. Don't that excite you? Come on. That yeah, He's on our side. Yes. And this scripture is the one we quote all the time greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world. Can you shout on that? Amen. 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 Come on, give Him glory. Amen. Amen. So don't fear, He says. And then He says, be careful that you do not mistreat the unsearchable riches. Because we cannot fathom the goodness of God. Listen to me. You and I cannot understand the goodness of God. Even as a believer, it's unfathomable. It's three, uh, you have the peace of God, peace with God, and the next one lose me. But you have all of those, the peace that He gives us, and you can understand it. What do you, if I can't understand it then, Pastor, how, what have I got to do? You've got to experience it. It's not so much that you have to understand it. I'll never forget years ago, I preached my first revival for Payne Church of God. I had preached one time here and Paul Conway. you remember Brother Conway? Wanted me to preach him a revival. Me and my wife, we go up there, we stay, you know, the church had just been remodeled. They had a balcony and all this stuff and it was just full, you know, and I was not going. Here I am preaching my second sermon on Sunday morning at Full Pain Church of God. What am I doing? I'm insane. <laughs> <laughs> I preached that morning. I stumbled, or I probably sound like Moses was stammering, you know, I mean, just my, it gets stuttering probably. And it's, it's after church, I'll never forget it. road he comes up to me, puts his arm around me. He says, come here, boy. take something He says, you're trying to understand everything that God wants to do in your life. But listen to me. You'll never understand that all you've got to do is hold the master's hand. Come, come on, man. man. I've never forgot that. I don't understand everything God does in my life, but I know this is riches. Yeah. Oh, it's wealth. It may not be riches like the world gauges riches. But it's riches that when I lay my head down at night, Pastor, if I don't wake up in the morning, I know where I'm going to be. Come on. If I walk out of the house, God forbid, and have a horrible, horrible accident, and you never see me again, I know where I'm going. Yes, I'm going where He's at. Because that's what He died for. So we we need to be thankful believers. Listen to me. Being a thankful believer, thanking God. The Bible says this in Philippians. Philippians four says, "Throw that up there for me, please." I think it's verse six and seven. Yes. Listen. Be anxious for nothing. Did you realize that's a military command? That's that's not an option. That's a command. That you are anxious for nothing. But listen, listen to the way Paul worded this to the Philippians. He covers everything from the broad point to the specific point. Because what did he say? He said, but in everything. That's broad. That means God wants to know everything about my life. He already knows it. But He wants me to tell Him about it. Yeah. In everything. In everything. By prayer, that's the broad word, that's another broad word, prayer, covers what? Our communication with God. And then he said, and supplication. The word supplication simply means that I'm getting getting down to business with God. I'm naming a specific area in my life or a specific need in my life that I want Him to work through and that I'm not anxious about because in everything, by prayer and supplication, here's our word, with thanksgiving. Now look at the way he said it. I've got to be grateful before I can let my request be made known to God. If I have an unthankful heart and I think that God owes me, yeah, I'm going to find out that I've got myself anxious. Come on, because God don't owe me. That's right. I owe Him. That's yes. right. Come on, on, come on now. That's right. But He says this. He says, and when I do all of that, oh, I love this. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart. You know what that means in the Greek? It means to garrison. It's also a military term. That God will garrison your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. That whatever comes in my mind, that I can, through Jesus, have that thing subdued and put it down. What do you mean? Even my thoughts? You better believe it. Even my thoughts. The intent of my heart. Everything. He's telling me that I should be thankful and I should be grateful. And give all of my requests to him yes. with a thankful heart, why? Because he's able to supply the needs.. Right. Amen. And that's what he tells us. So being a thankful, thankful believer, he says that, not to despise the riches of his grace, because we cannot fathom. we cannot fathom. Uh, I'm going to give you one verse. We're going to end with this. Colossians 3.17. This is a, uh, uh, a under-armor verse. Okay? You memorize this and you apply this to your life every day. Let me tell you something. You'll see the Lord work in your heart. Yes. Colossians 3.17. Listen. Whatever you do in word... Or deed. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. And you see, when you apply this verse to your life, it's hard for you to embark upon something that is offensive to God when you're covering everything in word and deed. Yeah. Come on. What I say and how I act. Yes. What are you talking about? Well, let's put it this way. Here's another oxymoronic word. A Christian bank robber. How many you ever heard of a Christian bank robber? <laughs> they are a Christian bank robber. But a, a person who wants to apply this and they say, Well, you know what? i tell you what. In word... I feel like it's the Lord's will for me to rob the bank. Times are hard. I need some money. There it is. <laughs> but Paul says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Come on. Yeah. Now, you remember years, a few years back we had the little things, what would Jesus do? Yeah. How many of you remember that? Right. You can ask yourself now, would Jesus rob a bank? I mean, this is so ridiculous I, I hate to even bring it up but I'm trying to make the point here <laughs> just bear with me <laughs> but whatever we do in word and deed we do all in the name of the Lord Jesus and in giving thanks to God God I want to thank you that I was allowed to rob this bank and I didn't get killed today <laughs> <laughs> it don't work that way no. there's some things that I don't have to seek the Lord's will in my life Because I should already know it. That's right. You can't rob banks, Brother Gary. Because if you do, Brother Gary's going to have to call somebody. (laughs) There's things in our lives that we allow the devil to introduce to us. Now listen to me. That we allow him to introduce in our minds And once that seed takes root because we haven't uprooted it and got it out and put it under subjection, then it drops in my heart. And when it drops in my heart, the Bible says this, and we already know that there's not one good, there's not one righteous, okay? But when that word or deed drops in my heart that's offensive to God, then I'm setting myself up to think and to say, well, I feel like God's telling me. You know how many people say that every day? I feel like God's telling me this. Or I feel like God's telling me. There's some people that God talks to so much that he don't have time to talk to me. <laughs>
1: I'm just being honest with you.
0: And, and let me tell you something. i get deadly afraid when somebody walks up to me that I don't know, never met them. And they say, I've got a word for you, brother. Oh my Lord, I don't know where your word's coming from, but just hang on a minute. Let's see if it lines up with the scripture. No, no. See, our lives must line up with God's word in order for the goodness of God to be activated in our life. How I many you know that? You know? Amen. Absolutely. Give him glory. Amen. I want to thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I, I'm preaching your word to the best of my ability. and. I want to be obedient to you and I know the way that I'm going I'll probably be here I don't know how long but I know this I want to be obedient to you I want to obey you I want to be able with your wisdom and knowledge that you bless us with to teach your word preach your word to equip the saints to equip the church well, because these days that we're in, look, they're, they're so hard. Everything that is truth is being called a lie, and lies are being called the truth, and we know it's just word Your Word being fulfilled. So Lord, let us keep our eyes upon the promise and our hearts toward the goal. And Father, that is to be where You're at and to be rapture ready to be ready. Right I thank you right now, and I give you glory and praise, Lord. And face one here this morning that doesn't know you. Draw them, I pray, right now, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. As you hit your bow and your eyes are closed, I'm going to ask you very quickly: You here today? You say, Pastor, you know what? I really don't know if I know the Lord the way you describe it. Am I placing my faith in what I'm doing? Or am I placing my faith in what Christ does? Well, if you're asking yourself that question, you need to obviously let us pray for you. Can you seek the Lord? If you're here this morning and you're uncertain about your life in eternity, I want to pray for you. I want you to slip your hand up right now doesn't matter who you are. Time's running out on us. we got to be ready to go. We've got to be ready. Listen, let's do this this morning. Everyone that will, I want you to come around these offices. Come on. Everyone that can come around here and pray. Let's just have a good season of prayer. And as the church is coming around, If you want to come to the altar, you come on. You come on right now.